you are listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. Rootbound is brought to you by Aloe. It's not just a jaunty way to greet your friends, it's also a plant filled with goo. Aloe, ow are oo. Greetings, listener. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rootbound. I'm your host, Steve. And if you didn't know, Rootbound is the podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. And each week, I invite a guest who joins me on the podcast to share with me about a plant that means something to them. And then I share with a guest about a plant that means something to me. And through this process, we all learn more about plants and learn more about each other. Do you name your houseplants? I admit this isn't something I had ever really considered before until talking with our guest this episode. And you know, most guests who've come on the show before, they talk about species of plants, or sometimes entire genuses of plants. Um, but I don't think we've had anyone who talked about one specific individual, and, and, and definitely not someone who talked about an individual plant that they had given a name. So I thought that was really interesting, and it made me kind of do some research about naming plants and are there any famous name plants out there and um, what does it mean to name a plant and uh, here's what I found. One, most of the famous named plants out there are just really giant trees. So for example, there was a bald cypress called the senator and then there is General Sherman, which is the largest known living single stem tree in the world. It's a, it's a giant sequoia. And then there's also some plants that are like really iconic plants that live at botanic gardens. Uh, most of them seem to be uh, the Titan arums, uh, which are the the corpse flower. They're these really giant flowers that apparently smell really bad. I've seen one from a distance before, but I never smelt one. Um, but a lot of those have names. And I thought one thing that was really interesting, there's two different botanic gardens in different places. I, I'm blanking on which ones. I'll link them in the show notes that had uh, Titan arum flowers named after the Adams family. So there's one that was called Morticia and one called Uncle Fester, which I think is appropriate for a corpse flower. But I couldn't find any like famous houseplants that had names. So if you know of any famous named houseplants, send me a message. But on the topic of naming houseplants, I think a lot of people out there name their houseplants. And I was doing some research on that and I found a bunch of articles, some quoting uh, the director of marketing of the website The Sill, which is a website where you can buy plants, and some other ones quoting a psychology professor at USC, and both of them were, were kind of explaining that it actually can be good for your plants to give them a name. And that might sound kind of weird at first, but it's actually pretty obvious. When you name something, it's easier to have a relationship with it. So if you give your plant a name, you're much more likely to take better care of it. And so giving a plant a name is better for the plant. So after learning that, and also inspired by this episode where we're talking about a plant that has a name... I've decided I should start naming my houseplants. And listeners of the podcast will probably know that I'm not really great with houseplants, so I actually don't have a ton. In fact, right now I only have one. It's a little tiny uh, succulent. It's an Echeveria. And so I brought it over to my wife just a minute ago. She's really good at naming things. And I said, what should we name this succulent? And she said, Toby. So I have now one houseplant. 
His name is Toby, and hopefully that will help me take better care of it. Let's meet our guest. Toby! Toby! Who is Toby? Well, my dear, Toby's, uh, well, he's, uh, uh, I say, Basil, who is this Toby chap? Hello, Hillary. Welcome to Rootbound. I'm really excited to do this show with you, Steve. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. Do you have a plant to share with us today? I do. And I'm really excited to share this plant. His name is Sandy, actually. And I'm thinking San- that you might be the first person who has a plant with a name. Which For is, reals? I think, pretty interesting. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, well, a, like a, a, like a, like a friendly name. <laughs> well, yeah. there, there's actually a, a method to my madness about Sandy because Sandy is actually a piece of an original plant that was given to my mother from my grandfather, Grandpa Sam, who we called Sandy. So I named the plant oh. after my grandfather because he hasn't been here. You know, he he left this world like over 20 years ago. Oh, and when wow. my mom gave the plant to me, which she originally got at 21, uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to oh, wow. do this as a as a you know a memory in memory of my grandfather. So I have one stem of it, which is probably about five feet tall now. And if you go to my mom's house. <laughs> It looks like the jungle because it, it the, the the corn plants just flourish. You know, they're like pothos; they're just all over the place. So, her so you, looks let's like just a jungle. pause there for a second. Yeah, because you just we we didn't talk about what kind of plant it is. Oh, but you did just say the word corn plant. I think and, it's a corn plant. Yeah, and, and 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 this is one of those ones where like I think not too long ago, it might have even been when we were we were messaging ages ago. You mentioned uh-huh. corn plant. I was like, I was like corn plant. You mean corn? But it's not corn, right? No, it's not like a. <laughs> it's not like that kind of a corn plant. I think that's uh, just kind of like the the other name for it. And look, I am no, uh, I am not the master of flora and fauna by any means. <laughs> Even though I'm a health coach and I do yeah. know a lot about like foods and plant based foods, it, when it comes to plants. I have to be very careful what I put in sure. my home because I certainly don't want it to die. <laughs> sure. These are much easier to survive. This one's a hardy plant. So I think it does have another, it does have the technical name. Yeah, let's but, hear uh, that one. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Let me butcher this Latin word. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's called, oh, geez, uh, Dracaena fragon, fragrans. Oh goodness! Fra- I'm gonna I'm gonna Google fragrance. this right now. Dracaena fragans. I th- uh, yeah, that sounds right. Dracaena fragans. Yeah, uh, with a, a C with an A E. It kind of reminds me back in the day when I, my first internship, I was doing. Um, uh, I was working at a overnight TV and radio station. They put me on the classical music, and I must have butchered every composer's name. <laughs> You know, you have all these people from like Germany and Austria and stuff. And and I played the violin for 10 years. So it was really funny because I'm like, wow, I am butchering every name that I've had to learn and learn the music <laughs> for. So that's what this feels like right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I the mispronouncing the uh, scientific names of plants is a theme on the show, and I'm not very good at it either. Um, it's fun, so, though. Yes. Indeed. So yeah, interesting. <laughs> I'm Googling it now. And Dracaena fragans, also known as corn plant. That is very yeah. interesting. And I, looking at a picture, I, I see why it's called a corn plant because if you like sure. looked at it from across the room you're like are you growing corn in your house or something but it's it is a house plant or it's it has nothing to do with corn 
No, there is no corn growing in my living room. Okay. <laughs> Not yeah. that I know of. <laughs> Very interesting. So yeah, tell me more about this plant, your connection yeah. with it, any fun facts or dazzling details about it. What what do we can we talk about it? Oh, Steve, I talk to my plants. I think it's important. I really do. I, I do not have a green thumb like I mentioned. I did try to spend a lot of time growing on my porch, like herbs and 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 vegetables and stuff. And it's just like all right, Hale, you just got to stick to the plants, the basics, you know, it's stuff that just needs water and some light. And that's kind of what I did with this plant. I mean, I really love Sandy. I really do because it's a, it's a thought to me. It just reminds me of how important it is to really not just take care of the above the surface, surface surface but below the surface. And mm-hmm. I think that kind of goes back to the work I do too because as someone that works in mental health as a transformation coach and practitioner and a holistic health coach, I really understand the importance of getting to the root of the issue. So I think about that so with your speak. plants. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you think, what's that? So to speak, the root. So, so to, to speak. speak. Yeah. But it's yeah, so yeah. true. I mean, mm-hmm. so much of what is maybe bothering you and whatnot looks surface, but until you get to the root of it, much like a plant can look healthy, but until you see the roots and they could be rotting or below mm-hmm. the soil or what kind of soil you're using, that makes a big difference. So to me, taking care and nurturing these plants is really important to me, especially Sandy, because Mm -hmm. I think about the fact that my mother has the original that was given to her. Look, my mom's 82-ish. She's in her 80s. And she's had that plant for over 60 years. Wow. And and here I am. And at that point, it was already years old. Mm -hmm. So that plant is well over 100 because that was years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think the plant was in its 20s because it was my grandfather's first. And now I have a piece of it, which um, is is really meaningful to me. So in a way, it's almost like ancestral, you know? Yeah. I mean, that is something really interesting about plants is because mm. they're like time scale is so extended. And, and and not every plant. We deal with herbs and stuff that have this mm-hmm. like annual process and they don't stick around that long. But there's some plants that are very very long lived and like you can have this thing that is like a legacy of your family that is alive and growing it's not like some some object that is is like stuck in time it is like mm-hmm. this continuing thing that's really interesting i've i don't think yeah that i wonder what the record for the oldest house plant is like that would be a really interesting question i wonder if that's googleable I should look you that know? up in Guinness yeah. Book. What if what if we make that list like yeah. i have every intention of sandy coming with me wherever i go yeah <laughs> Yeah, and, and that seems and to be. He has moved with me a lot. Yeah, what are the logistics of moving, okay. uh, uh, like a, a, a house plant like that? Um, not letting anybody else have it and doing uh-huh. it yourself, like that, actually has moved with me from North Carolina. I think that's where I first got it. My mom gave mm-hmm. it to me, and I drove it back down to North Carolina because I'm originally from the New York area, mm-hmm. and I was living there at the time. And then from North Carolina, I moved to New York City. Mm-hmm. And then from New York City, I moved to New Jersey. And wherever it takes me next, Sandy's going with me. Wow. You know? Wow. And and, and have you ever had any, like, um, issues where you're like, oh, no, Sandy's not doing well. I'm worried that Sandy's not going to make it. Never. She, Just you know, a he, really hardy plant. A hardy plant that has, the, you know, it gets the yellow leaves every once in a while. But I know from my mother's my mother teaching me the maintenance because oh my gosh her 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 basement looks like the Congo. 
<laughs> you know, this is a plant I think that's derived. It comes from the Ivory Coast. Uh, okay. That's one of the areas it comes from. And I don't know if my mom knows that, but like she's so good with the green thumb. She's got plants everywhere in the in the basement because she's got great light down there. And I was just down there recently, and I'm like, oh my god! I feel like every time I come here, it's it's like I I need it. It is really a lot of plant life happening down in the basement, and wow. I just have one. But I call my space. I have an area in my home that has a lot of plants because it has the best light. I call it my jungleo, uh-huh, and uh-huh. <laughs> it just. I imagine this is a very hardy plant because it keeps growing. And I remember when my mom had the original when we were living, uh, you know, when I grew up with her, it, it was one plant. And now this thing is, I've got to say, it's got to be in five different pots. Wow. So she's been uh, slowly propagating and splitting it this whole time. Wow. Yeah. And how how tall is like the tallest version of it? Okay, it's touching the ceiling at my mom's, the original. So Uh I would say her ceilings are probably about 10 feet. And it's touching where it's like the corn leaf, the plant is like bending over. But man, they are thriving. Mine's probably five feet. Wow, that's still pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that that's really interesting. I think you know, uh, not to spoil too much when I'm talking about a plant, but I'm also going to talk about a house plant. And one thing I find that's interesting about house plants is um, most house plants are tropical plants, mm-hmm. and the reason why we've talked about this in a few other episodes is that uh, they're normally tropical understory plants. So these trees that live in the jungle underneath these giant ch- jungle trees, mm-hmm. and so. The reason why they make some great house plants is because uh, they're good at surviving in low light situations because these are plants that grow in the darkness of the thick jungle. Also, they're plants that uh, can like, you know, the the humidity in that forest floor is similar to the humidity we like indoors, right? It's not too dry. It's not too humid. Interesting. And, uh, and so that's why they thrive. But I think the light thing is really uh, the, the biggest deal. There's not many plants that can survive on such low light, but those yeah, jungle that- plants can. And that, and also I imagine the fact that your temperature usually in your home is anywhere between 68 and 72. Like, I think that's right. the guesstimate. So when you think about that, that is that is a tropical, well, the 70s to 80s is a tropical climate. So I yeah. guess it depends on the plant. But I keep my apartment in my home maybe about 72 degrees. So Yeah, and they also don't yeah. have to deal with winter, right? Because those tropical plants right. cannot deal with winter. But you don't have winter indoors. Also, uh, often the jungle can be a really hard place to live and there's not as much um, there's not as much nutrients available as you might expect because mm. there's so much competition so there are often slow growers as well which is a good for a house plant right because you don't want right. something that's going to take over the whole house immediately and something you can have for pushing a century and still like you know be manageable that's really fascinating definitely definitely yeah, lot lots of good information and knowledge about plants. I love that. That's I didn't know that at yeah. all. Um, anything else to say about Sandy? What what do we got? <laughs> oh, Sandy. Um, you know the thing that I really, I think Sandy's basically the center point in my living room, my little jungleo area, because he's so big. And I don't have a big place. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. had Sandy even when I was living in a New York apartment. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was like creating this little haven, right? Because plants release oxygen. We need oxygen. And I think there's something that 
whenever I'm in that room, especially, I just feel connected in a way. I feel like I breathe better. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's, there's just that sense of green, just it, it's, it's joyful, you know, especially yeah. when I look at it, you know, I have those moments where I sit there and I'm like, wow, like I do reflect on it quite often that my mom gave me that. That was something that was from my grandfather. And so there's just a, there's a level of that ancestral uh, devotion and a connection because to me, ancestry is really important. And I guess I connect to it that way, you know? Yeah, that's really, really fascinating. Okay, you may not know the answer to this, but I'm very curious. Do you know anything about how your grandfather acquired this plant? Like, Where was he? Where did he live at the time? Goodness gracious, that is a great question. I have absolutely no clue. I'm going to ask it's my okay. mom that. Yeah. I would love to know that. I I don't know. My grandfather would come on with the strangest stuff. <laughs> he was like <laughs> one of those guys that, like, if he ever saw the grandkids, it was like he was loaded up with candy and like trinkets and like 110 cameras and all that kind of stuff that you're just like, uh-huh. great. My grandfather gave that to me last year too. He was just the joyful grandpa, and you know it. He just loved to give. I remember that, and I, he really loved my mom. So I, I'm curious to know that story. That's a, that's a good yeah. question to ask me, so that I can provoke that question to my mom. Cool. Well, it's you know I think I find it's very um, it's very surprising somehow how plants can take you to these different places. You know, and like mm-hmm. I think your story is really interesting because you don't normally think about like family memories and plants, but it it totally can happen. And this is a really interesting uh, example of that with Sandy. It definitely is. Definitely. Um, well, well, thank you for sharing about Sandy, the corn plant with me. Do you mind if I share a plant with you? <laughs> yeah, please do. I'm curious. Okay. So I'm also going to talk about a house plant. And the thing is, my relationship with house plants um, is not the best. Uh, I, I don't <laughs> currently have any house plants. I love plants. I have a podcast about plants, but mostly my gardening is happening outdoors mm-hmm. or I'm like learning about plants like in the wild. I've tried house plants a few times and I haven't had the best luck. I think... I think for a few reasons. One is I'm used to gardening outside and outside rain does most of the watering, mm-hmm. right? I, And so remembering to water plants can be a problem. But mm-hmm. probably the biggest challenge, and this was definitely a challenge with this plant, is that I have three cats and cats get super fascinated by plants. And they really did do a good job of um, chowing down on this one. And the plant that I'm going to share with, the um, Latin name is Chamidorea elegans or Camadorea elegans, I don't know. But it is more commonly known as the parlor palm. You, they love palms. Seen... Cats love yeah. palms. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I got this as a houseplant, my wife and I bought this house a few years ago, and we're like, let's finally get some houseplants. And we we're trying to find the ones that were non-toxic to cats. Mm-hmm. And this is one of them, but to a detriment because they ate it. I think there may be some some wisdom and actually not worry as long as it's not deadly toxic of, of not worrying as much. Cause I think the cats will probably not bother the ones that mm-hmm. are actually like bad, but the parlor palm, they didn't have any problem with it at all. And they, they kind of ate it uh, uh, 
and it yeah eventually died. Um, but it is a really interesting plant. Uh, you know, if you think of like the common indoor palm that people have as a house plant, that's mm-hmm. the parlor palm. Um, yes. To go back to its its Latin name, I love talking about the meanings behind Latin names. Um, the parlor palm's Latin name again, Chamadorea elegans. And that is, Chamadorea is from the Greek, which Chame means on the ground, and Dorea means gift. So it's, and, and this is from a, a, a webpage called The Flora of North America. It says that's in reference to the small, low growing palms of great beauty. So they are a gift that grows mm. grow to, low to the ground, which is kind of nice. Um, and similarly to your corn plant, they're from a tropical region, but they're not from Africa. They're from, um, they're from the rainforests of southern Mexico and Guatemala is where they grow nat- naturally. I actually have one, too. I was oh, just yeah, looking you it up, and I didn't know oh, what the cool. name was, but I have one, and that seems to be the one that Miss Eliza Doolittle, my cat, loves to chomp on. Uh-huh. Okay. Isn't that the, interesting the that it, my India. cat will goes... I I think, I don't know how your cats are, but my cat is a diva. And if she wants to get attention, she goes and she munches on a plant. Yeah. Just to get me, you know? Yeah. One of them, Muon specifically likes to munch on things when he's not getting attention or he's hungry for other things. Um, But they don't touch Sandy at all? Your cat doesn't touch Sandy? She doesn't touch Sandy. Sandy's leaves are too big. She tends to touch another palm that has a very high uh, root to these little, you know, it's a palm. I don't know how mm-hmm. what it's what it's called. I have to look that one up. But she'll mm-hmm. tend to munch on that or the one you just mentioned. And she does it totally to get my attention. I am yeah. not stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I see what yeah. she's doing. But um, yeah, she she doesn't go for the big leaves, just the ones that are very narrow. It's almost like it's almost like chewing just little leaflets for them because it's tiny, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I and, remember they would chew it, it would like it would like get all stringy because of the way yes. the leaves are. And I yeah. think they, it's almost like string. They like to play with mm-hmm. string. So I wonder if that's something with their eyesight or I don't know. And when you yeah. were telling me that, it made me think of what my plant stands for. And it means female dragon. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Because you said it was Dracaena. Dracaena. Yeah. Ooh, so that makes sense. I don't remember yeah. what the second word was, though. Such, such a kind of a contrast between uh, the two, the common name and the, the Latin name is like female dragon and right. corn plant. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So funny. Um, the, the parlor palm is called the parlor palm because it became popular in the Victorian era and it used to be in the parlor. That's why it's called. Oh, parlor palm. that's what I figured. Right. Yeah. And, and that was the era where like house plants really became a thing was in the Victorian mm-hmm. era. It was this era where there was all these, European dudes traveling all around the world, going to tropical places and bringing plants back to England and, and discovering, oh, these tropical plants grow well indoors and we can kind of build this like indoor greenery, which wasn't really a thing prior to um, to the Victorian era because you couldn't really grow, like most plants that are native to like England or whatever won't grow indoors because they need a lot more light because they're this, um, they're, they're these plants that live in this area like the UK that you know mm-hmm. has winters and the light changes mm-hmm. a lot. Um, so the, uh, the parlor palm, uh, was a good example of that, but I, I think the, I bet you the corn plant has a similar history. I haven't looked into it, but I bet you it became popular in the same era. A lot of the house plants we've talked about that Victorian era was like the birth of the house plant movement that we kind of know today. Is that so? I did not know that. Yeah. That's so interesting. And you know what? It would be a good, uh, 
way to kind of do research on that, Steve, would be kind of to watch some of these television shows that have come out because we have so much in the Victorian era uh-huh. and so much in that period and see if they actually have plants. I wonder how accurate their plant selection is. Oh, probably not. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a big plastic something in the corner. Definitely. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, that's that's an, a question too. Like, are they just using something that looks green and up, upright and it fills the space and it's a good prop? And you know this as a filmmaker. Or yeah. is it actually going to be something that you would see during that time period? Yeah. Because if not, it's going to wind up on IMDb and someone's going to be like, that plant didn't even come into existence until blah, blah, blah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know? No one used that as a house plant until the late <laughs> right. That was something. That was raised yeah. in the, the Africa and mm. they would never bring that over then, you know? Yes, yeah. Those, those are my favorite things to look at on IMDb Indeed. <laughs> um, all the mistakes <laughs> so, so I, I had this parlor palm and eventually the cats killed it and so Aww. I haven't really got house plants again which is a bummer uh, I'm, maybe I'll try again soon and see if I can figure out a way or maybe try maybe I'll try a corn plant that would be interesting but yeah but, I'll uh, give you my mother's number <laughs> she's got yeah, plenty of pieces got them. that's good <laughs> but the uh, the one thing that's interesting when we talk about house plants and we, we talked about this on the episode when we talked about monstera which is also a very popular house plant the monstera mm-hmm. and the monstera's full name is monstera deliciosa and when i was talking on that episode with my friend shirley i was like why is it called deliciosa nobody eats it and it it turns out actually does have a fruit in the wild it's just when you grow plants indoors for house plants they never get to that that stage of fruiting because it's just a different environment for them but the the monstera house plant does have a very tasty fruit and 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 similarly, the parlor palm does flower, and it has this inflorescence. It's like a string of small flowers. And in Guatemala, where they're native, uh, they will batter and fry those, and they call that that uh, fruit or string of flowers pacaya, which I didn't know that until very recently. Amazing, yeah. I, so I want to try that stuff. Sometime. I love, yeah. yeah. And when you think about it, I mean, and and I deal with this, this a lot in holistic health, it's, it's finding out so many plants really have their medicinal values, their medicinal benefits. And we don't think about that in, yeah. in everyday context, you know, but now we're starting to talk more about it. Like food is thy medicine, medicine is thy food, mm-hmm, like Hippocrates mm-hmm. said. So that whole thing of learning what plants, and I don't know about you, but I did a, a really great episode of my podcast with... Um, Dr. Nicole Appellian, who was on that show Alone. Did you ever see Alone? It was no. like that reality show. It's still out there. But people go into the oh, wild yeah. and they have to survive, oh, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Dr. Nicole, who's freaking cool, she's basically, she's a herbologist. She's a biologist. She is a um, survivalist. Mm-hmm. And learning about foraging was like the coolest thing. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. That's a hobby of mine. I'm a very new forager, but it's something that I'm very fascinated by is that the concept of foraging. Oh my gosh. Like the mushroom I, thing yeah. is huge. Oh, that's a whole other world. And I, I've had yeah. people want to talk about mushrooms and I'm like, well, this podcast, we have to stick to just plants. Not, we're not getting into fungi yet. No Maybe fungi. someday I'll do a fungi <laughs> special episode. Um, but, but yeah. And it is interesting though, to think about, you know, we have all these house plants and indoors they are kind of in this different mode, but in the wild, they do have, uh, you know, these, these properties, like no one thinks about the edibility of the mm-hmm. monstera because it never flowers. Uh, same thing with the parlor palm, the, those, you know, it, it, it's very rare for it to flower indoors, but, but in the wild it does. Um, 
the last dazzling detail I have about this, because I decided to talk about Parlor Pump the day because you were going to talk about the corn plant. And I was like, well, what's another house plant I can talk about, even though I don't have a big experience with house plants? Oh, yeah, there's that palm my cat say. Let me talk about that. So I started researching it. Um, and I found this line of Wikipedia that said something similar to the Chamadorea elegans is one of three palm species that is used as chate. And this really came out in my brain. Have you ever heard of chate? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. So what this is, is where it's like, I have an experience with something, this Chate. I learned about this, and I didn't know it was related to Parlor Palm at all. I should have maybe thought about it. But um, if you ever see palms in flower arrangements, the palm fronds, like kind of the back mm -hmm. of a flower mm -hmm. arrangement, or yeah. the palms used during Palm Sunday services in the Catholic Church, mm -hmm. um, or palms showing up in the back of, uh, you know, in, at funeral ceremonies. That palm is known in Guatemala and Southern Mexico as Chate. How do you spell and that? And X-A-T-E. Oh. Yeah. And, Chate. And, this, Chate. and I, I, I was in Guatemala a number of years ago, um, uh, unrelated to palms, but I learned about this process in the, the Maya Biosphere Reserve in the Paten in Guatemala that chate is a uh, a foraged resource, and and there's this whole market for chate where there's people who live in the Maya biosphere of, of uh, Guatemala who harvest chate from the jungle. They package it up and they ship it all over the world to be used in flower arrangements. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! And I, yeah. was, I was I was thinking you're going to say something about basket weaving. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's it, and the, the the cool thing about them is that they stay green for very, very long. Ah, so you they, can do that. And I guess um, you know, maybe a few decades ago there was an issue of over harvesting of the chate because mm -hmm. of the demand for it in places like the United States for flower arrangements because it looks beautiful and it lasts a long time. Um, but in the Maya Biosphere Reserve specifically, they've really got a handle on the sustainable harvest and have made it into quite the um, you know, it's it's a very economically viable for people there to harvest this forest resource mm -hmm. and do it sustainably. And so it seems to be a very positive story of like um, gathering a wild product where often those stories are not so positive in this case, Especially it seems to be country. handled quite well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't realize that this palm I had in my house and my cat's ate was also the same palm I saw when I was in Guatemala being harvested by local people to be sold on, on an international market for, for decorative uh, uses. And I, I can't think of many other examples of a of a wild resources or resource that's harvested like that for decoration. So it's a pretty interesting case, and definitely definitely Google it. It's a really cool story of the of the harvesting of this plant in the Maya Biosphere Reserve. In well, I definitely like that part that we need to protect our land and our planet. And, and yeah, you know, we're, you know, I, from what I re I remember watching a documentary a while back which goes back to another guest I had about the fact that we only have 60 years of, of farmable soil left on this planet mm, because we mm, are mm. treating this planet so poorly, you know, yeah. and 60 years might seem like, Oh, I don't have to worry about it. I won't be here, but it's like, but what are you leaving your legacy? Like, yeah, if we're not able to farm the soil or seed or create, like that's why it's so important to protect our forests and our, our jungles. And, you know, yeah. we're just seeing jungles being ripped apart to, for whatever reason, you know, um, I would like. Well, to that was I, a really interesting, really interesting. Just to, to comment on that, you know, the the sustainable use 
of a forest. Uh, mm-hmm. So often, I think the the like dominant culture sees a forest for basically just like the timber value, right? Cut down right. the trees and then use the land. Um, but in the Maya Biosphere Reserve is a really great example of they. I forget the number, but there are a large number of of uh, the 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 term in like the business is non timber forest products. Like, what can you harvest from a forest that is not just the trees itself? Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, chate is one, but also in the Paten, they harvest wild uh, allspice, which is actually a tree that is grown in that area. There are mushrooms they harvest. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a number of other things that that people can actually make a living off the forest without damaging it permanently and and oh, many forests great. have this ability it's just it's just i think the, the the matter of who is seeing that value um right. and it can be a challenge you know in certain places so but it, that's a really positive story this region of Guatemala. i love that i um just did a little googly research on the dracaena plant that i could uh-huh. throw back at you if you sure, want Sure, please yes so and i didn't know this but this is great for for those that might be interested in bringing plants into their homes, which I highly recommend. It is the best air purifying houseplant. Oh, wow. Interesting. It it actually increases concentration and sharpens focus. I'm going to look into this a little more because this is good stuff to know. Uh, And that it's very low maintenance. I will agree to that. And it has a tendency to absorb lead, which is interesting. So the purifying quality is what, caught me first that that definitely and it, it increases the humidity in your home i'm not so sure about that i haven't witnessed that but it is definitely um the fact anything that's helping to purify your home i'm yeah. in you know like i yeah, i'm totally non-toxic a good in my job house. Of, of like you know lowering the co2 level in your house as well because mm-hmm. they breathe in that co2 for growth and yeah uh, there is a lot of like studies on to like the air quality aspect of of plants which is is also pretty interesting well that's that's super cool yeah this is interesting i'm learning about sandy and other plants just from you know it all takes as a conversation right yeah just well that's what i love about this podcast because you talk about plants but you can go all sorts of other places yeah uh, and it's really interesting so thank you for sharing sandy with me and thanks for letting me talk to you (laughs) about the parlor palm i love it i love what you shared it was great Here's a few more things that I learned about the corn plant since talking with Hillary. First, as Hillary mentioned in the show, its scientific name is Dracaena fragans, but it's also sometimes commonly known as the striped Dracaena or the compact Dracaena, in addition to corn plant, which it's called that because it kind of looks like corn, but it is not, as we mentioned in the episode. I also learned that in its native Africa, it's often used for hedges or living fences because uh, outdoors in the native tropical environment, it can get quite big and, and bushy and is almost tree-like. So that's pretty interesting in comparison to how it grows as a houseplant. Because houseplants grow pretty differently than they grow kind of outdoors in, in their native environment. And most houseplants uh, never flower or produce fruit, but in the wild, the Dracaena fragans does have a really beautiful flower. You should Google it. I'll put some links in the show notes. And those flowers turn into these beautiful bright yellow berries which I don't think are edible, but they look really nice. And it's something to see if you're ever over in the Cote d'Ivoire looking at a wild native Dracaena. Now, here's a few things that I learned about that specific corn plant, Sandy. After the episode, uh, Hillary went and asked her mom for some details about the history of Sandy, and she sent me an email, which I will read now, and then we will end the show. So here is what Hillary says. 
I got some scoop about Sandy. So my grandfather was a furrier in the garment district, and the original plant used to be in his office in downtown Manhattan in New York City. My mom remembers it in his office when she was a little girl. He likely got the plant from the flower district, which is just a few blocks away. When he moved from his office, he gave the plant to my mom when she was in her 20s, and I remember it in our house growing up my whole life. At some point, she replanted it, potted part of it, and gave it to me, and Sandy was born. And the rest is history. My guest on this episode of Rootbound was Hilary Russo. Hillary is a holistic mental health practitioner, health journalist, and podcast host. You can learn more about her at her website, hillaryrusso.com, or listen to her podcast, Holistically Speaking, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a fan of Rootbound and want to help the show, you can learn how to do that at rootboundpodcast.com support. Rootbound is hosted by the caretaker of Toby the Succulent, Steve Ellington. Music by Christian Kriegeskota. Fake ads by David Lani. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, but if you can go outside, find a tree in your neighborhood and give it a name. Hello, how are you? 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 Oh, that's terrible. <laughs>